Aloha, everyone, and welcome back to Multifamily Live. I am so excited to introduce to you my guest today. Um, so in Hawaii, we like to talk story. We like to we like to tell each other what's going on, and it's usually in story form. And we love to gather around, usually with a little bit of music, a little bit of kanikapila, and catch up. So over the next few weeks, I'm going to be spotlighting some of the real estate investors, real estate professionals, real estate agents in Hawaii and of Hawaii, and particularly in Maui. So one of the real estate investors, real estate professionals that I want to introduce to you is Zasha Smith. Welcome to the show, Zasha. Aloha, everyone. Thank you for having me. I am so excited to have you here. And like I told you before, this is all about your story. And I know you have an amazing one. So will you share with our with my audience a little bit about where you come from and what brought you into real estate? Well, I was raised here on Maui in Hawaii. My entire family is here. And we really struggled growing up. I was raised by a single mom. There was three of us. And so I'm the oldest and had to help to care for my younger siblings. And I never really thought of what I was going to do next in life. I just knew I wanted to have financial security because that's not what I had growing up. And living in affordable housing, low-income housing, there is a lot of other things that come along with that as far as like the poverty mindset, you know, um, being around other people that aren't doing the greatest in life. And so one of my biggest mentors was Clint Gima at Maui High School. Shout out to him. He recently passed this year and he had let me stay after school, borrow computers. It was back when they had the Apple computers with the colored backs. And um, he would let me bring my, my brother, my sister to to school after school because sometimes we didn't feel safe going home. And my mom was working multiple jobs at the time. And so uh, he helped me to get into college. I applied for the Gates Millennium Scholarship by Bill and Melinda Gates, and they cover everything over your you know four or five years, however long you take, housing, uh, college, your education, your books. And even my second year, I had my first daughter while I was in college. and. I was going to give up then. I was like, no, I need to move back home. At the time, I was going to Cal State Long Beach and was really already homesick. And I think through the years, I've always persevered, but there's always been people around me kind of helping guide me. So I always tell people, you know, look and see who are the positive people in your life. The people when you're down help to pick you back up and listen to those people. Or if something inside of you is telling you to you know, follow a different path and you know people who have succeeded on that path, definitely tune in to what advice they have for you and, and immediately take action. So from there, uh, I had my first job was a college counselor for people who weren't do doing good at the College of Engineering. And my boss told me, you should get into engineering. At that time, I was just doing liberal arts. I wanted to be an, a teacher. I wanted to help people. And I was like, man, I'm not, I'm not that smart. And she's like, just take a few classes and see how it goes. And I actually really liked it. 
I found out that I'm a more practical person than in psychology. You know, they ask you, what color is the sky? I'm like, I think it's blue or, <laughs> you know, so it was, it was a little confusing. Anyway, fast forward, I moved home, was working as a civil engineer for 10 years here on Maui. And even though it was a very stable job and it paid well, we still were living paycheck to paycheck. And so from there, you know, I talked with my husband, I turned 30, the big 3-0, it's not that old, but we, we talk, had a talk and he was like, you know, you're always working. And I didn't realize how much I worked, but I was working 60 to 70 hour weeks. And I was, you know, even when I was home, I was always tired. And so he said this quote that stuck with me forever. And it was like, they're getting the best of you and we're getting the rest of you. And so I remember thinking that when I was a child, you know, my mom always working and she had to work. I was choosing to work extra so that I could get promotions or I could get up to the next pay scale. And I was managing, you know, $20 million projects, underground utility and construction plans for shopping centers, hotel renovations here and subdivisions. So there was a lot on my plate, but that made me step back and I ended up Googling, you know, like any millennial, how to quit your job and get rich. And mm -hmm. That's how I found real estate. So let's stop there. You gave me a lot to unpack. <laughs> what a what a story of growing and persevering through guidance. You really touched base on having mentors over the course of your life. Also, what your husband said hit me in my heart. They're getting the best of you. We are getting the rest of you. I do want to take a moment because a lot of people would think to themselves, wow, Zasha was an engineer. She probably made bank as an engineer. Um, explain to the, our audience, my audience, what it's like to live paycheck to paycheck and how much money you actually have to make. And in fact, I'll give you a statistic that I just read. To live comfortably in Hawaii, you have to make more than $100,000. It's there in black and white. So explain from someone who lives in Hawaii, who has been born and raised and has lived there basically your entire life, worked there your entire life, what that means to live paycheck to paycheck. So basically here, Today, the average rental for a three-bedroom home is about $4,000 a month. So mm -hmm. at that time, I was only making $5,000 a month. And so my husband was working full-time as well. He owned his own business, and he was probably making just a little bit less than me, but we also have two kids as well. So daycare was about $2,000 a month with after-school care as well. And uh, it just, it all adds up. And even though mm -hmm. I came from humble beginnings, I knew what it was like to have no money. It was like, we could barely even put aside anything for our savings because it's the housing cost is so much and food. Just to put in perspective, like a gallon of milk is almost $10 now. So, <laughs> so for those of you that don't know, I was born and raised in Hawaii as well. Um, my, ha my family is from the Big Island, from Oahu, and from Maui. And here in Tennessee, I just bought a gallon of milk. It was, I don't know, three something. I don't even think about it because it's $3. 
I have $3 in my wallet. I have $3 in my checking account. I can, I can provide, in fact, I think I have two gallons of milk in my fridge because that's all my kids drink. Mm-hmm. $10 a gallon. Just think about the cost of living and just equate that. Think about that price and think about everything else, bread, gas, just the basic standard of living to have to live and like live, not even just comfortably, just live in Hawaii. So I really wanted to like lay that foundation for everyone who's listening. So let's take it a step further. You're, you Google how to get rich, probably read rich dad, poor dad. Um, what's the next step? You, you find real estate. What's the next step? You see it on online. You're like, how do I get into this? And how did well, you I really, get I really started listening to bigger pockets. Like every mm-hmm. single day, whenever I was in the car, my kids were kind of sick of it because they're like, can we look at this some music? But I was like, no, the only time I really have is like on my way to work or on my lunch breaks or sometimes after work before I get home because, you know, I was still a, a mom and needed to cater to my kids and husband as well. And so uh, I told my husband, hey, like I, I kind of want to see how where this goes because our first house that we bought we ended up selling it so i'll take a step back just so that people have perspective too is uh the first house that i ever owned was with my mom when i came back from college i wanted to buy a house but i couldn't afford one on my own and at that time i was a single mom with my first child and so me and my mom came together and we bought a duplex so a house and attached ohana is what we call it in hawaii So basically a three bedroom and then a two bedroom, but they were attached to one house. She lived on one side, I lived on the other. And then when she moved out, she moved to Molokai for a job opportunity. I ended up renting her unit and then also renting a room in my unit. And uh, that's how I was able to cover all my expenses. And I was like, hmm, there is something to this real estate thing. And when she ended up moving, she made it she was going to move there. She's like, Oh, I need money and I want to buy another house. And so we ended up selling that house and we made 150,000 each tax free because uh, if you live in it for the past two out of the five years and it's your primary home, then when you sell it, you can, you know, uh, take the profits up to a certain amount and not pay taxes on it. So after that, I used that funding to purchase our next home, which is a foreclosure with my, my husband now. And, uh, when we purchased it, it's funny because like you mentioned, I always say, I'm always really good at being genuine, but also asking questions. So we bought it, we fixed it up 80 grand. This is before I knew like what in real estate investing was. I was just kind of using my primary homes to, to afford to live because it was cheaper to buy than to rent. And mm-hmm. I went into the bank and told one of the tellers, like an auntie, if you live in Hawaii, you always go to the same bank, you go to the same stores, you know, everybody who works there. And, so and like, they're all your aunties. Yes. <laughs> Even though we're not related, you know, it's like, auntie, um, we just put all my our savings into this house to buy it. We fixed it up. And, uh, you know, it's what we could afford. And she was like, do you know if there's equity in the home? I was like, what is that? It's like, well, basically, if there is an extra value in the home, you'll be you could potentially refinance and get, you know, some of your money back or get a home equity line of credit and have access to that money as well. I was like, wait, so they'll give me my money out of a house. And I didn't really understand <laughs> And so she's like, here, okay, go talk to, go talk to uncle over here. So another <laughs> loan officer. 
But I was just very, you know, keen in asking questions or telling everybody. I've always told everybody kind of what I've I was doing or what we're trying to do, because I know that there's people out there with extra resources. So from there, we got a line of credit. We bought our first rental property using that money. And then we both qualified because we had good income. And then from there, I bought my first flip. And on my first flip, I netted 103000 So we bought it for around three hundred. It was a condo. Um, and then we put about thirty grand into it, sold it for four eighty. And this was like I never took any mentorship, any courses. I was just going on bigger pockets using the free calculator and common sense and just mm-hmm. taking action. And I knew here that, you know, the value it everything appreciates every single year by so much. It's almost like living in California. And so after I I made that, it was in forty five days too. Thirty days to renovate the apartment and 15 days to sell to cash buyer. And so that kind of opened up my eyes. I made 103,000 net on that and 45 days. It took me 365 days working at my job to make 70,000 as a civil engineer. It was kind of a no brainer that this is, I only had to do one of those a year in order to offset my income. See, like I've been in the real estate industry for a while and just your story has rendered me speechless because that that's the power of real estate though, right? And finding mm-hmm. and working within your niche niche. I have told people that, you know, maybe look around you. Like you said, it's kind of like California, but so many people are like, don't, we don't go to California. It's too expensive. We don't go to New York. It's too expensive. We're never going to go and do real estate in Hawaii. It's too expensive. Great. Let Zasha do it. Cause obviously she figured it out, went to bigger pockets, didn't hire mentors, used her own brain and figured out the math and saw, okay, hmm, A minus B equals C. I can do this. So what an amazing story. You're, you started to flip houses. You have some rentals. What's next for you though? Because this is, give me the year this is. Like, where are we right now? Yeah, 2019. 2019. So 2019, that happens. What was the next step for you? Where have you grown since then? So 2020, I ended up quitting my job right before COVID. So I don't know if it's a blessing in disguise because that that bridge was burned <laughs> and everything shut <laughs> down. But I ended up buying a few smaller multifamilies. So today I own 17 rentals on my own, and most of them here in Hawaii. And a lot of them are rented to people on rental assistance or Section 8. So I like to always let people know too is that you can build wealth while making an impact. And for me, it was very important that I was able to give back to the people that were in my mom's situation. And because I was able to find these deals, I'm now able to rent to people that are below market value and that really need a place. And uh, so far, I've done about 23 flips uh, on my own and with partners and netted over a million dollars on those. And now getting into the multifamily space. So last year, I was actually in a lot of the positions that limited partners are in where or like high paid Mm -hmm. professionals are in. And they're like, man, we're paying all these taxes. And then so for me last year, it was very difficult to find 
good rentals. I like to use a Burr strategy where you buy a home, um, you renovate it, you re- rent it out and then refinance and then repeat that process. So a lot of my homes too still have equity and I was able to get most, most of my money out for my rentals. And so when I was looking for more, I really couldn't find any deals. The market was so hot. And so one of my other friends who I had connected with and they were potentially going to be a private lender for me, they were like, hey, we're actually getting into multifamily to these these bigger projects. Are you interested in that? I was like, oh, I, I didn't even think about that. And so when they told me about the tax benefits and they were actually forming a, a group of them that could bring capital to a deal and then negotiate a higher position in the deals, I was like, oh, that sounds better than being a limited partner. So I get a little bit more equity. Mm-hmm. And for me, I was used to, I've raised probably a majority of the projects that I've done fix and flips, I've raised private money for. So I've had to raise probably about two or 3 million at, at one time. And that was private money just, you know, from everyday people, individuals that want a return on, you know, my projects for lending the money. So it's kind of used to that mindset already. And because Hawaii is so expensive, they're like, oh, we're looking, they need an extra 200,000 for this raise. I was like, okay, I can, I know a person who could, who could give that. So it was just like, they were surprised that just being newer to the commercial real estate space, I wasn't scared to raise money or talk about money because that's what I was already doing. And so I got into four different syndication deals. So 100 to 200 unit uh, apartment projects um, all over Texas and Florida and uh, became a co-GP. So we negotiated a higher position in that deal. And then now uh, we just formed a fund, Rise Capital Investments, where we are debt and equity fund. And so we are able to kind of do the get into debt as far as like lending on single family fixed and flips while also investing into bigger apartment deals for equity as well. I can't stop smiling. <laughs> so for all my listeners right now, and I know you're, fo- you're following, you're, you're probably stopped in traffic, hopefully, or you've pulled the car over because your mind is exploding right now. I mean, think about where Zasha came from with a single mother, became a single mother herself, used her brains and had mentors along the way pushing her and she listened and then she gets into real estate. She does it right. She does her numbers correctly. And now she is in multifamily. I want you to kind of dig into your mindset right now, <clears throat> because I heard you say this a few times that I wasn't scared. I'm sure there was a bit of fear there, but I'm going to call this the no scared, scared mentality. No, no, you can say no scared them, go get them. <laughs> yes. No scared them, go get them mentality. Talk about that. Talk about that. And it's it's this little switch in your brain or whatever it is in your brain that makes you take that step that so many people, and you know, I'm going to be honest, so many people in Hawaii, because you also said this other thing, ah, oh, what was it? The poverty mentality. Was that what you said? Mm-hmm. The, like, just this, like, I don't have it, so I can't get it. I, you know what? I want to be honest with my audience. I come from a similar background. My mom was a single mother until I was eight. 
we lived on the big island she was in a bad relationship we had to leave and it was just me and her and whatever we could do to get by and we also lived in one of those ohana homes when we first moved to maui we lived in kahului when she met my my father so so i get it i get like that mentality that you have to get over and you did it so i want you to explain what it is that helps you to get into that no scared go get them mentality? I think just the networking and then constantly filling your mind and your, just your close knit arena of people to be the ones that are action takers, that are go-getters, that are different. So getting out of your comfort zone definitely helped me. A lot of my family and friends still don't invest and that's fine. But Mm -hmm. I make sure that I attend, you know, I attend all the meetups. I go to conferences. I go and meet people that are doing way more than me or things that are different that I am scared to do, but I see them doing it. So that gives me more confidence to actually do it. But also you have to have a strong reason why. A lot of people talk about this and being from Hawaii, you know, they're always like, oh, it's like hip. You're so hippie when I talk about affirmations and (laughs) and, you know, just it's it really is mindset. Like I was stuck in a, okay, I got to get a good job. I got to be a doctor, lawyer, engineer to live in Hawaii. And that's the only way you got to go to college. And then you got to work for the rest of your life. Then you can retire. When you're old, you go on the cruise ships or whatever you do. (laughs) I'm like, but I don't want, like, uh, you're barely mobile at that point, right, Mm -hmm. in your life. And so I knew I wanted something different. And I think it was just that, that click in, I turned 30 and I was like, I wasn't really spending time with my kids. So that was a strong reason why I wanted to pursue something different was because, I wasn't spending time. I wanted to buy my time back somehow, not trade time for money. And I think just a shift of, well, I, my husband really encouraged me because he was an entrepreneur himself, but I was always the one, even after I made that 103000 on my first deal, I was like, oh, I can't quit yet because our health insurance, like you don't have health insurance because you're an entrepreneur, so I got to keep it. And so one of my first mentors, Ryan Pineda, he does fixing and flipping majority of the time. And I was one of his first students as well. So it was great because it was a small knit. I think there was only eight of us in his mentorship. But he told me, you're going to let $1,800 a month stop you from spending more to being able to spend more time with your family and really making a difference on the world. He said, you are only, you're limiting yourself. You could have such a greater impact and you have such a good heart and want to help people. You can't help people if you can barely help yourself. And so that has always just stuck with me is thinking of the people, even when I move people, like I still self-manage my own rental properties here because I kind of like seeing the people move in or talking with people before, you know, as they apply and we set up conversations and seeing where they're at or just reminding myself, okay, this is where I came from. And so I have to be mindful whenever I am investing that I need to keep that at the forefront. Like my goal at the end of all of this is to be able to 
build truly affordable housing in Hawaii and help the local people and get through all this red tape. And I do fix and flips. Now, if I do new builds in Maui, it takes two to three years to demo a house, to get all the permitting and to actually build it. And it's because the permitting process takes so long. So I'm trying to find a way to see work with the officials to get it faster because by the time a subdivision gets built because i've been in the engineering side of it i know it takes 10 years for them to do the full build out from planning to getting all the approvals to building it and in that 10 years prices have gone up so now an affordable house that they had planned to build you know maybe base basic models go for four hundred thousand. now they have to go for eight because it took 10 years to actually build it out. And 800,000 is not affordable housing. No, it's not. And thank you for explaining that because other, I remember when I first got into fix and flips, I did it in New Jersey and it's permitting process is almost as bad there. Um, And those that are in other markets that it's just easy to go through permitting. It doesn't take as long. They look at places like Hawaii, like New Jersey, like New York, like California. Like They're like, why does it cost so much? Why is it taking you so long? I've done 300 flips this year and you've done what, three? Like, wh- what's that about? And you have to explain to them. This is for my audience too. There are markets out there that it takes a little bit longer but you saw the numbers. You heard the numbers that Zasha said. There was, there is money to be made. She is just trying to find a better way to do it. And I loved what you said that Ryan said. You can't help people if you can't help yourself. And I love your your why that you want to build truly affordable housing that you want to educate people. That you want to let people know that there is a better way. So before I let you go, I do want you to touch a little bit on how you are educating people now with everything that happened in Maui. You are in Maui. You are of Maui. And thank you from the bottom of my heart for keeping me informed and reaching or and letting me reach out to you because I needed, I needed that lifeline as a Hawaiian. I needed a lifeline to Maui and you were that for me. So I want to publicly say thank you so very much, Sasha. I want to now uplift your voice and uplift the voices of Maui. How can we best help you in your journey to create more affordable housing? Because this is desperately needed now in Maui. We, there's a few investors that came together and we are trying to figure out how to kind of get through to higher level officials. So if you have any state or county representatives that you can connect me with, that would be the best way. And I know how to raise money. And so that, that portion isn't the problem. The problem is a permitting process because by the time we get through or we try to plan to build something, then it's no longer affordable. And so mm-hmm. our investors, you know, they also need to see a return. They, of course, there's like funds and charities and things like that. But whenever you get into 
the development business, you know, there still has to be some sort of profit. And so if you could connect me with someone like that. And recently with the Maui wildfires, I told Peely I was in it from day one. My daughter's family, you know, their homes burnt down. She just barely made it out, you know, to our house, which is further away. But there's multiple fires that were going on. Some of our cousins and our family members' homes burned down as well. Um, but there has been a lot of help recently from the government, from FEMA. So I just always try to educate people on, of course, make informed decisions, but just don't turn away, you know, government help and just talk to them, talk to local advocates and do what's best for your family. And even for those a part of the community, like the first four days, there was really no government, you know, stepping in because they were trying to figure out a plan. But the community has been amazing here. We all stepped in and did what we could. My husband owns a plumbing business. So he had some box trucks that we were just taking out deliveries of food, supplies, water out to Lahaina and the people that had stayed out there and just really trying to, you know, let's just remember to work together. I think if we can get some voices from the community into the political realm that are truly have good intentions and can bring together all these different uh, Hawaiian voices and, and advocates. I think that's where really the help is needed. And a lot of people, you know, we're sending donations of physical items, but these people don't like their house burnt down. So they have nowhere to put it. And so what I would suggest is looking into different resources or different organizations. There's big ones like Hawaii community, foundation.org. There's one that Oprah and The Rock just formed, the People's Fund of Maui. So a lot of, you know, celebrities are coming together, which is great. And then there's also Ohana underscore Lahaina underscore Venmo, I think, is the an Instagram um, that we can put in the show notes. But uh, they, those are individual families that are asking for help. And you, uh, like anything else, right, you need to verify and you know, make sure that it's going to the right person. So I don't want to say exactly what you should do, but monetary donations are definitely needed for those people who need, you know, um, to get more copies of their birth certificates or passports. There's some fees that come with that, or hopefully they're waived for those people, but you never know. Um, people need medication, certain types. People need um need cell phones and laptops, you know, to be able to apply and call for, you know, this types of help and be made aware of different situations or different programs that are out there that could help them. So we appreciate just sharing. And I think Pili had talked about it before, just giving Maui a voice, just keep sharing information about it. So it stays in people's forefronts and minds to check in, because that's the only way that things are going to change is that, you know, you have to have a big voice, especially in the government. So let's keep our voices, our thoughts, our minds on the people of Maui. Sasha, thank you so very much for coming on. Before I let you go, how can people get a hold of you if they want more information about what you're doing for the people of Maui, for your home, what you're doing in real estate, especially either fix and flipping, if you still do that, or this amazing debt and equity fund that you just created? How can they get a hold of you? 
So I love Instagram. Like Instagram mm-hmm. is my favorite platform to use. So at invest with Zasha with a Z, or I'm also on LinkedIn at Zasha Smith. And then for our fund rise capital investments.co is where we put all of our information, but I'm constantly posting almost every day on Instagram, sharing stories, sharing what we're doing, especially here on Maui. And I feel like it's very important for people to know, especially other people who are investors, to know the importance of being mindful, especially in Hawaii and how they invest here, or even if they want to get into this market, just remembering to take the community into consideration before doing anything. I do want to hit on that note for one moment. If there are any investors out there that would like more information about Maui, please, please, please talk to Zasha. Talk to those people. And like Zasha just said, those investors, those real estate professionals that are already in Maui on the ground, please get informed about what's happening on Maui or anywhere in Hawaii for that matter. If you want to invest in Hawaii, make sure you try to invest in her people as well. So Zasha, again, thank you so very much. Um, Maybe we'll have you back next time to talk about Instagram growth because you do need to follow Zasha. I've watched her grow and she's grown organically. She's grown with heart. She's grown with spirit. And it's been a pleasure to get to know you through Instagram. So again, Zasha, thank you so much. Mahalo. And for everyone else, so much love, so much aloha, so much peace in your day. Have an amazing day. And please, 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 please have gratitude for the day. It's been amazing to speak with Zasha. And I have so much gratitude for you for listening. If you loved what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe. And I will talk to you later. Aloha.